Listener Production. G'day everyone, welcome to Willow Talk. Adam Peacock alongside Brad Haddon for another week. Hads, how are you? I'm very well. I've had a good weekend. I was a taxi once again. Uh, kids sport here, there and everywhere. When you got the, the changeover from your winter sport to your summer, so it's an interesting couple of weeks in the Haddon household, but I'm enjoying the cricket the Aussies are playing. Yeah, plenty to talk about with the Aussies over in South Africa. I can say though, Hads, like once you get through the woods and the kids get a bit older, you get your weekends back. So it's, when they get their like, license. Yeah, when they get their license. And they can be your taxi occasionally. I needed that sad day. <laughs> <laughs> now, Australia over in South Africa, we're 2-0 up in the one-day series and playing some bloody good cricket. So we'll review all of that, look ahead to the final three games of this one-day series. A bit of other cricket going on around the world as well. The Australia A's have been in action too. And we're going to hear from Ashton Agar a, a little later on. Caught up with him recently. Really interesting chat, especially about his uh, well departure from India during the last test tour and exactly what went down and how he comprehended all of that. And obviously now he's back with the one day side over in South Africa and we're going to finish with our risers and fallers. You can listen to us uh, on Willow Talk for free on the listener app. And if you're listening on Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating, leave us a review to follow us as well. It does actually help keep us in a job. <laughs> Ads. <laughs> The Australian cricketers, uh, they're getting on with the job over there in South Africa. Are you surprised at um, the fact that we're not only 2-0 up, but well, that second game in particular, just totally dismantling the hosts? Yeah, what, what I like about it is, is it's funny what competition for spots does. Um, you, you got a few, you got Steve Smith out, you got Paddy out, you got Starkey um, our David Warner came back in after seeing how well Mitch Marsh played at the, the top of the order. Travis Head um, has continued to to build a name for himself there. But I, I like how the Aussies are tracking at the moment. I, I like the the style of cricket they're trying to to play. I like the new faces starting to step up. Aston Agar, I'm interested about that chat today because mm. what he did, he's the way he won the game under pressure. That's what we need from him. We need him playing more knocks like that. He's He's been a a talent ever since his first test match with the bat, but we need to start seeing more of those results under pressure, which I like leading into a World Cup. But once again, the old bull got it done. David Warner, we thought he was gone, but uh, he found a, a bit of lease of life. Old bull, old bull. <laughs> so the first match we won by three wickets. Australia were in all sorts of strife, chasing 223 to win, uh, seven for 113. Cameron Green got knocked out by a Rabada bounce. It was nasty as well, and it was fair enough that Green missed the next match too. But Marnus then comes in for the second time in his career as the concussion sub to great effect after what happened at Lords a couple of years ago in the Ashes. 80 not out, Ashton Agar 48 not, and they get us home as well. And then Marnus has backed it up in the second with another ton at a quick rate, partnership with David Warner, which totally took the game away from South Africa. Geez, Marnus, he's making the claim for a guy that's missed out on the provisional 15-man squad. Well, th this is what you like. Th this is why he's been such a a world-class player since he's come in. He, he's got that hunger to succeed. He's not in that the squad of 15. Steve Smith's out of the, the Australian team at the moment, ha having a bit of a break. His, his body's a bit sore. But what Marnus is doing, he's putting pressure on. And that's what you want. You don't win World Cups with a squad of 11. You, you win it with a squad of 15 and, and sometimes 20 with injuries. And I like when they're putting pressure on each other because it make Steve Smith would have been the first person to, to message him and, and seen that. But he, he also would have been thinking, hang on a minute. I've got to get back into this 
squad now. I've got to get my batting right. I've got to get my body right. And, and I've got to perform. I've got someone breathing down my neck. And and that's what good teams are about. There, there's always someone trying to take your spot. And I, I like what Manus is doing. I, I like that he's putting big numbers up mm. and say, here I am. And, and that's the only way you can get noticed by selectors when not selected in squads. I mean, the squad doesn't need to be confirmed until the end of September. Are we living in a world where possibly they might like if Manus goes Burko in two of the three remaining, they twist, they no, change. I, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. I, I think Manus is a like for light replacement with Steve Smith. Uh, we know how good he is in the subcontinent. He'll come in and bat at three or four. I, I think they've got their the rest of their batting lineup pretty settled with the way they want to play. They want someone to control the middle of the innings, the way Manus did, the way Steve Smith does. So I, I don't really see a, a spot for. For both of them, but mm. you've got a like for light replacement. If something happens to Steve Smith, you've got Marnus there ready to go, and and that's why he's four in, in this game. So they can play the same style of game that they want to play when the World Cup starts. Is 15 light? Am I mistaken here? Like you, This is a bit of a different World Cup in that they've just gone straight group stage, everyone play everyone. So you make the final, you're playing 11 games in, you know, once every four days. Is 15... Too light for a thing, or you're carrying too many if you have more than 15? Yeah, I think you're carrying too many. I think what will happen, though, they'll, they'll take three players over there and, and train with the the Aussie boys, make sure they're, they're up to standard just in case something happens. I'd, I'd imagine someone like a, a Nathan Ellis will go over there for cover if something happens to on the fast bowlers. But I, I like it that's 15. Um, you, you like to see a bit of fatigue at the back end of the tournament. You, you like teams having to make the decisions around, do you put two keepers in? Mm. Because if you if you get ruled out of a World Cup injured, you can't come back in. So do you roll the dice, put one keeper in your squad, but then if he gets a, a strain and a, out for three games, that could cost you the World Cup. I, I like the um, what happens behind the scenes with, with selection. So I, I'm happy with 15. Yeah, and, and Marnus, where we go back to, he, he was just one of those unlucky ones that he, he's mm. competing with Steve Smith. Josh Inglis, can you see him with Alex Carey? Yeah, I can. Putting all kinds of pressure on him? I, I, I think... One of his strengths, Josh Inglis, is how he plays unorthodox against the spin. Mm. Um, he, he can bat up the top of the order, can bat in the middle, but he also closes out a game really well. He's got all the trick shots, and at the moment, he, he's doing everything right. I, I watched him keep the other night, took a really good catch up to the, the stump, so he, he's keeping world class, and I, I think it's good for Alex Carey. It, it's good to have pressure on you when, when you're going away in these sort of tournaments, but I, I think he, he's definitely will put some pressure on Alex for that number one keeping spot. We know Alex has been good for some time. His last World Cup at number seven was was outstanding. But yeah, Inglis is doing all the right things at the moment. Did you ever play as a specialist batsman much? In, yeah, a in couple time? of times. So a couple of my best tours, 2007 World Cup in the West Indies, mm. I played the first warm-up game. And everyone said, oh, how hard was that? I was in the West Indies <laughs> on a World Cup tour that we played once every seven days is a tour that went for about three months. I had the time of my life. It a run, but, run tour. Oh, <laughs> That's what you had. Mate, not run. I, I had to rum. come and get in uh, detox when I got back home. <laughs> yeah. But I tell you what it does do when you have what you do learn. And, and I, I think this is what's happening with Josh Inglis at the moment because he hasn't played a lot of cricket, but every time he gets an opportunity, his game's elevated. Mm. And, and what you do notice on tour with the Australian team is the intensity that they train at. You come from state cricket, you think you're doing all the right things and you jump in the Australian setup. and you think, hang on a minute, th- this is a different level. And, and a great example of that was my first tour, I was on standby in India. Me- remember the game where we enforced the follow-on and Javid and Laxman yeah, yeah. Um, batted for a week and a half and, and ended up winning the test match. 
I was on standby for that test match. I'd flown straight in from a state game. Gilly had something wrong with his quaddy. Anyway, he passed fit to play. And the intensity of the crowd and the game, I, I remember sitting on the sideline and they said, oh, you would have been right to go. I said, yeah, 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 I, I would have been right to go. An hour into the game, I'm saying, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> this is a different jump in intensity. The preparation, the, the crowd scrutiny and everything that went on, I just thought, I'm no way ready for this. But what it did do, it changed my career. When I went back to state cricket, I thought, hang on a minute, I can't train at this intensity anymore just to get by in state cricket. I've got to train intensity to to get me ready to jump in the Australian team, and that's where my game took off. See, that's weird because you, you think of training on tour is, you know, just go through the motions, get through it, blah, blah, blah. You have a certain amount of intensity to it, but – Hearing that, hearing the story of Mitch Stark last week with Steve Smith in the yep. nets after Steve Smith said that they weren't good enough against Bangladesh or something like that, yep. and that just stoked the fire there. So you've seen some first hand above what you'd see yep. out in the middle. Yeah. I, I remember when – and we still use the, the whiteboard at training where um, Haddon bats with Hayden, Ponting, and I used to look down the list, Ponting, don't be with Ponting because Brett Lee's shitty boon 12th man, he tries to knock Punter's head off. <laughs> And if you see yourself Ponty and Haddon in the same net, you just think, oh, <laughs> this makes me sick. <laughs> but the, the one thing, that, that's the one thing um, I learned as soon as coming into that Australian team, how the intensity, when it was game time or training time, how the intensity jumped. Your Haydens, your Warren, your McGrath, your Ponty, and the, and the list goes on. You could see why they were great players because the way they elevated themselves and the pressure they put themselves under when they trained. I was going to say, who was the most intense? Who redlined the most? Oh, Ponting. Oh, Easy. yeah? He, he, really? His, his intense, intensity and, and Simons, Andrew Simons, when the fielding came, it's, it wasn't, oh, give me five catches to, yeah. to get through this. It's, no, no, Ponting, Simons against each other. I'm better than you know. And, and it was on. Then as a young guy in the squad, then Clark had come in, then Hussey had come in, and, and they'd have to elevate their standards to be – at what they needed to do. And that was one of the big markers for the Australian cricket team is they talked about how combative we were, mm. but it was intensity and um, that we created in the field and the way we moved and the, the positions we put ourselves into to influence the game that, that made us different for other teams. They, they've caught up now teams like India and Pakistan and realised the importance of creating that environment, but, but that was a big difference. Well, there was a big difference between the two sides in South Africa uh, in the last couple of days in that second match with Australia winning by 123. Australia 8 for 392. So we've mentioned Warner, we've mentioned Marnus, Inglis with a good 50 as well. Australia's third highest one-day score. And they left a little in the bank as well, didn't they, Hads? Because I think the last seven overs around about 50. So if they really got going at the death, it could have been anything. Yeah, it could have been. There, there was some great performance there. You obviously got the two guys that uh, scored 100. But Travis Head, he's, mm. a, he's an unsung zero, hero, actually. Not a zero. Zero. He's a hero. Uh, yeah, he's, he's sometimes he's zero or 100. <laughs> but the way he's taken the game off yeah. straight away, he, he's a big player in these conditions coming into you. You get flat wickets. He'll go for ball one, allow David Warner to work into his craft. But mate, the way he takes the game on, he, he can have a similar effect. And we've said it in test cricket that Adam Gilchrist, and he had the same sort of effect on the team. He can have the same sort of effect on on this one-day team. So I like what they're trying to do with their game style. They're, they're trying to mirror their game style, what they're going to play in India, which is a smart move. Which, I mean, those those pitches over there, it's, it's interesting conditions because it's still yeah. – 
it's it's okay during the day, but cool at night. A lot of cross team bowling, obviously, which which is yeah. very effective for the white ball. But with those first ten overs for Australia, can you imagine that they've got it in their heads that par is none or one for a hundred yep. after ten? Yeah, they'll be happy to lose uh, a wicket or two if they're around eight or, or nine and over. You'd imagine Warner, Travis Head, and, and maybe Mitch Marshall come in, in the top three in the in the World Cup. A- another interesting point over there. Yes, it's nice in the days, and there's a lot of cross seam. Um, being bowled on the back end of the innings, that's because of the dew. Mm. One of the biggest factors of the World Cup's going to be the dewy, dewy ball. So, so it does get like the, oh, there's dampness at yeah, night over there. A hundred percent. And that can be the, the biggest barrier on the game. Teams uh, like to chase over there because you nearly take yourself out of the game if you've got a bowl second with that new ball. So they'll, they'll be coming up with strategies. that They won't mind being put under pressure with the wet ball now and then they can go back and assess what worked, what didn't, and take that to the World Cup in India. South Africa, you let down by them. You thought they'd be better than this. Obviously, we're only halfway through the series. They can turn it around, but not really. I I think South Africa have a mental block against us a a bit. I think at times that our intensity that can can get to them. But the the one thing they they got a team that plays well um, at the moment in Indian conditions. World Cup's a different story for them. They they got a horrible record when when the game's on the line. So Uh, they would want to be competing a lot more now. Okay, mark them down for a 3-2 win in this series then after your little bake there, Hads. <laughs> no way. What I couldn't work out was Gerald yeah. Curtsy, who, he's mad, M-A-D, like puts the, the John Rambo headband yeah. on and comes in and plays like him as well, takes a wicket and it's like yeah. he's just decapitated someone. He's just like on, yeah. been fed raw meat all week and he, he's vibrant. I love watching him. I dropped him for the second game. You're going to see that a bit. I wouldn't get too carried away with who's getting, in, who's out. Yeah, because okay. the, both teams have got probably eight games now to the World Cup. Uh, South African guys have, have had a, a good break. Um, you're trying to get combinations, and you, you want to give everyone uh, a go, give them some time leading into that World Cup. It'll start to get serious with the, the two practice games in, in the World Cup. You'll mm. start to see a, a bit more clarity on what the team's going to look like. But if you remember – Oh, you probably won't remember, just before the 2015 World Cup, we, we had a, a series over in Zimbabwe, tri-series with Zimbabwe and South Africa. We lost to Zimbabwe. Mm. And we're playing around with different combinations, playing around with how we're going to play the, the World Cup. Steve Smith didn't play. He wasn't in our team then. And he played a huge role in the Did the you 2000. play in that game against Zimbabwe? Yep. I opened. And I was never going to open in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. We were just trying different people in different positions. So I, I wouldn't read too much into the results now. We're going to see a lot of players being tr- trialled in different sort of positions. Pretty embarrassing though, getting beaten by Zimbabwe. What was the mood like after it? Well, we had Darren Lehman as coach and he was the thirstiest man in the world. And <laughs> mate, we're in Zimbabwe. He'd already organised uh, a bride to go to. So <laughs> it's an interesting time leading to try to get gauges on form. Some yeah. of your older Players are just trying to get through to the World Cup and go, okay, now I'm I'm going to turn it on. The, the younger players are hungry. They, they want to take your spot, and we're seeing that with Marnus at the moment. So he's come out and got an 80, scored 100. Put, he wants to put some pressure on selections. So it's about getting your game style right and getting enough cricket into everyone before you get to the World Cup. David Warner, he's 20th one-day ton in that second one-dayer. Only Ricky Ponting has more with 29. you got Warner in your best ever Aussie one day team. It'd be interesting. I, I, I'd like to after this World Cup, he, he'll he'll definitely if he can lead Australia to a final mm. and have the series that we know he, he can have at the top of the order. He's 
he's definitely in the conversation. You've got guys like Mark Wall, Hayden, Gillia at the top. So he's definitely someone that's going to be in the conversation. That The interesting stat I've seen about him, he's got the most hundreds in any in all three forms of the game now as an opener. He's gone past Tenduka, who's got 45. Mm. David Warner's now got the most hundreds. Oh, when you combine all three. Yeah, when you combine all three, he's got 46 hundreds. Mm. And he's a, oh, he's a third on the fewest innings to, to get to 20 hundreds in, in one day cricket. So he's got 142 games. Hashan Emler has got 108, which is a big effort. Okay. Who else was on that list? Oh, Coley's. Batman. Yeah, Coley's at uh, 133. I, I didn't look uh, down the bottom after that. I think Zabi de Villiers and Virat right. Sharma. Coley. Sachin Tendulkar. Needed, he needed yeah. to find um, mm. this. I, and I think he said a long time ago this was his last series in, in the white ball. Yep. So he's just been waiting for this moment. He, he's got himself fresh. And now he's got nothing to lose. I think you're going to see an ultra-attacking um, David Warner in this World Cup because I think he's going to go out of this format the same way he started. Now a little chat segment here as part of our first block in the uh, this edition of Willow Talk. So we've got the third one day coming up, yep. on uh, which is tonight actually, 9 p.m. Eastern. And we'll see if they continue to mix and match and see what role there is for Tim David, who made his debut in the second one day. Now, interestingly enough, you think, oh, Tim David, he might come back and play a bit of Marsh Cup. Well, no. He's never played Marsh Cup. He doesn't – hasn't played – oh, he's played one game of Marsh Cup a while back. But he doesn't have a state. He'll play Big Bash. So he's playing 50 over international cricket in a completely unique way in the fact that he hasn't come through the system traditionally, as you would have it with a contracted player with Cricket Australia. Yep. What do you make of this path – to his uh, his role now in the Australian One Day team. Well, first and foremost, I like the style of game that Tim David brings. Mm-hmm. He he he's a unique skill set where, in the last five overs, if you need fifty runs, it, it's actually not that hard for someone with his power to get it. So, what I'm finding really interesting about his selection is that he hasn't played any domestic cricket, and, and I'm, I wonder how our pathways see that. Is is there a conversation going on at the moment? about, okay, now that we have selected you in the one-day team, you're going to have to be affiliated with the state. I know he plays Big Bash down in Hobart, mm. um, and that's where he's made his name, but part of contributing to Australian cricket as well, and someone with his talent, he's been around a state system and, yes, developing your game, but also developing guys around you, developing the way you talk to them and, and help them out the way they play. So you've got another case in Chris Green as well. Chris Green hasn't been contracted ever for New South Wales till this year. Mm. He came out and got the, I think it was a four-day player of the year, but he hasn't been involved in, in, in any of the New South Wales squads for the last 10 years. So are our pathways, do they need to be questioned? Is this the right path we want our players taking? Do, do we want to now let them go and play all around the world, develop their games, or do we say, no, we, we want you back here playing in our pathways, develop our systems to be the strongest competition in the world? So... I like what he brings. Yes, it's a different pathway, but is it a pathway we're, we're happy with? I'm not so sure I'm comfortable that he hasn't played any um, list A games around the States to, to be selected in the in the one-day team for Australia. I think I can pick up the fact that are you questioning whether or not a 21, 22-year-old is now going to go, 
well, you know what? I don't need to play state cricket if I want to play for Australia. Well, well, that's a conversation we, we don't want to, to, to come up. So, say an Ollie Davies, for, for example. Um, we, we've seen sparkles of what he does in, in the 20 over form of the game. So he's the 23 Thunder. next month. Yeah. So does he say now, well, hang on a minute, I, I can go and make my name for myself in all these competitions around the world, maybe make a really good living and, and go away from the state system because that might be my pathway into the Australian team. So you don't I, mind if they get picked for the T20 team? I, I don't mind it that way. Yeah, I don't mind that he's but he not gets so much picked, the fifty over. Yeah, the the fifty over without playing anything in our system. I, I don't think that's good for our game. Okay, and, and I don't want to see young guys thinking, okay, that's the way to get into the Australian team without playing our domestic cricket because we want our domestic cricket to be as strong as it possibly can be. You, you've got Camo, Hazelwood, Stark about to retire. Mm. You've got Warner, Smith. Kawaja coming to the back end of the, your career, you, you want to be develop your players in our system. We, we don't want them to start to question what we're doing here and they think a pathway to get into the Australian team is to go away from Australian cricket. So I, I like what he brings. I, I like that he's in the Australian team because he's got a different skill set to anyone. I'm just thinking now, does that open a debate about our pathway it, system? It, it, bit of a can of worms. I mean, you look at a sport like rugby union and they've got this problem yep. now about where – who can play for the Wallabies? Like Giddo Law. Yeah, the Giddo Law. Like I have to play 60 or something like that. Caps, I'm not sure if it's been adjusted or whatever, but there, there is a, a threshold that you have to play the majority of your career here. Once you get to 60, you can play wherever you want. Yeah. We'll select you from wherever you want. But World Rugby, all, <laughs> the the power base is in Europe. The money's yeah. in Europe for guys to, to earn. Japan as well. You're going to select guys out of Japan. I'll be intrigued to see. I'm with you. I'm, I'm like... I'm not so worried about it like you are. I'm just intrigued to see where it's going to land because it's a big, big question mark. Well, we've seen guys start to knock back state contracts. Like Daniel Sams, for example, has knocked back a state contract mm. to go around and be a 2020 gun for high. I don't have a problem with it. Does mm. Then he can make himself available for New South Wales when he comes back, but you'd like to see him training in our system to do so. I just think with the, the Tim David selection, after not playing – any form of A-list game can start to open a can of worms. I know it's a new age. I know we've got to look at different avenues because cricket's landscape's changing. But mm. he's going to if he plays another couple more games, he comes on a contract for Cricket Australia without having a domestic team. I know he's got the one in Hobart, which is 2020. He's you got to sign. I know I'm from I'm playing domestic cricket for WA or yeah domestic cricket for New South Wales or Tasmania. So it's just interesting to think. Will this affect our pathways? Is an opportunity for us to sit down and and get some of the smarter men in Australian cricket, like you, you Ricky Ponnings and, and and that Mike Hussey and guys like that, to to reassess what the pathways look like now because it, it's definitely unique way to to get in the Australian team. I'm not saying it's wrong; it's different, but he's different going to be the new norm. Wait and see. Yeah, Tim David, his list A game. So it's one one day international for Australia, five one day one days for Singapore, of course. I told you about the different upbringing. Uh, Ten list days for Surrey and one list day for Tasmania. That's his background and now he's a, he's a one day international for Australia. Wait and see uh, where it lands. And one thing I, I will bring up about Tim David, it does appear like he's bringing back a staple of the cricketer from the <laughs> 80s and 90s and that's the big gold chain. It was dangling everywhere there, oh, the man. chain I'm talking about, <laughs> when he came in to celebrate a wicket. It, it was very much a thing of the, like the, all the Australian cricket. I don't know if they followed the, the guys from the West Indies who wore like they wore it when in their heyday and their pomp. But um, yeah, Timmy David with the. You know what? The uh, gold chain has always fascinated me. What was that? 
like one, the West Indies made it look cool. Yep. You remember when they used to run into bulk, be curtly, his arms are going, he's dropping mm. from the mouth, everyone's nervous at the non-strikers end. He's got these massive, massive, I don't know, 10 kilos. Look massive how heavy they are. Gold chain. Yeah. Yeah. How does it chip your teeth? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you go put one of those ch- train and just go for a run yeah. outside your shirt. It, it bounces up and hits in your, in your yeah. teeth. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. Do they, have they got a mouthpiece in? But I <laughs> used to find, watch them and think, Mate, how is that not chipping your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Timmy David's doing it his way in more ways than one. He's How bringing good. back the gold chain. We'll see if he plays a big part in Australia trying to make it 5-0 over South Africa with that third one day, the next step to take place later tonight. Back in a moment with Ashton Agar. A couple of weeks ago for Willow Talk, I sat down with Ashton Agar to chat about his remarkable test debut a decade on, his experience being dumped from the test team recently, and then a look ahead to the World Cup and BBL, where he will be a big factor. Well, Ashton, one day World Cup on the horizon. Tell us from your perspective with what you do out there, what's the biggest challenge ahead on those decks, in those crowds, against those players that you're going to be playing against? Uh, I think bowling in India is always a challenge, particularly against the subcontinental players because they're really good players of spin. Mm. Everyone thinks it spins a lot in India. Sometimes it does on some of the one-day wickets, but a lot of them are dead flat. Some mm. of them are real shiny. So I think the biggest challenge is like working out really quickly what your role is that day and then bowling in a partnership with your other spinner. Usually you play two, obviously, over there. But sometimes on a flat one, I might not play and, and yeah. Zamps will just play. So working out the role, adapting quickly and being effective. With spin bowling, and it's still called spin bowling Mm. on those decks, what's more important though? Actually getting the ball to turn or the pace variation of your delivery? Oh, it's both. I think when the ball turns, it's usually because of the wicket. Like Mm. there's not many guys who really spin the ball a lot on a flat wicket, particularly in white ball cricket because you're bowling a touch faster. Pace variation, being accurate on that one spot, being a little bit unpredictable, yeah, I think that's that's the most important. So your your length control and then your subtle nuances in that, that's mm. that's the key. And depending on at what stage of the innings the, the other bloke at the other end of the, the wicket is yeah, in his innings as well. And we're seeing a lot more spin in power play as well, which mm. is really cool. Being effective with the new ball is starting to become really important for spinners because some guys have glaring weaknesses against spin bowling at the top of the order. So... Mm. Yeah, you sort of got to be ready all the time. Are you okay to open the bowling? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think it's really cool. I love um, bowling arm balls, like being able to swing the new ball. Mm. You can really get it to hoop a long way and that can be tough to face. So I like that. Swing bowler as well. Mm. Everything. Yeah. Virat Kohli. Mm. What about when he's swinging with the bat and yeah. in full flow? Oh, he's a gun. He's obviously a very good player. He's not the most intimidating one to bowl to. Like there's more intimidating, like bowling to Hardik Pandya is harder than Bolin Virat or someone like Rohit or a Shubman who can really belt you out of the ground. The hardest part about Virat is you can't get a dot on him. Yeah. So, like, you, you feel like you can never build pressure on him. And then he, when he gets into his innings, he's really hard to stop. Hmm. So that's that's the toughest part about bowling to Virat. Whereas some of the other guys, you're pretty afraid they're going to belt you out of the ground. But it's a great challenge and it's a bit of fun. But in that, you, you always hear Spinner doesn't mind going for the odd six because he knows you're one little mistake away from the batter and getting him out because he's, he's put so much into that shot. Do you feel like that, though, when the ball's sailing over the fence? Oh, it's not always so much fun when the ball's <laughs> sailing over the fence. No, not if they're doing it all the time. It's not fun at all. 
But it's always good if you, um, you've got a plan and you try and execute that plan and you might execute the ball and they hit it for six. As long as you and your captain are aligned and your captain understands that it mm. might not be a day where you go for four and over, it might look more like six or seven sometimes. But if you can get a few wickets in there and change the swing of the game, that's what's important. Give us a form guide. Who is likely to perform at this World Cup in your opinion? Oh, I think the usual suspects, to be honest. I, I mean, India, obviously, mm. being in India... They're so strong over there and home support. Their crowds are incredible and they get behind India so well and they love performing. You know, they're superstars over there. Mm-hmm. Pakistan are always very dangerous. I think they've got some great white ball players, Barbara Azam, Shaheen Afridi. They've got a couple of good spinners too, uh, which could be a handful on those decks. England always do well in the white ball format. Uh, they just go so hard and play such an aggressive brand of cricket and I think we played really well last series against India, mm. uh, won the series yep. on some tricky surfaces. I think I think that'll be the big challenge. And the smoky is always how South Africa goes, I think. Where's 50 over cricket, in your opinion? Like, in the landscape, everyone, obviously, T20 franchise cricket popping up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just had MLA, MLC or whatever they call it. Yeah. Major League. And then you've got test cricket, the priority for a nation like Australia. But where's 50 over cricket sitting in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, it's a tough one. It sort of sits in the middle a bit, little awkwardly. World Cups are really important and everyone wants to watch World Cups and all the players really want to play World Cups. So a lot of emphasis gets put on them. Maybe you see a few little tri-series here and there die off, I think, because there's so much T20 around the world and a lot of players really do want to play that. And it's for a number of reasons great entertainment for the crowds but it's also great for the players to look after themselves and Mm. build a great life and extend their careers too so more players are sort of heading that way I would say obviously we're really trying to build up test cricket as much as we can so there's got to be space and there's not as much time for all three formats and the one that sort of falls away a bit will probably be the one days but Mm. as long as um, good emphasis gets put on the world cups and it's a great standard of cricket there I think it'll survive. Have you built a good life for yourself playing cricket for as long as you have so far I'm very lucky you know Mm. I love playing cricket and I love doing something that I've always wanted to do yeah I do it because I love it and the trade-off is yeah you have to sacrifice a bit but that's that's great in terms of building up a life and these are my these are my best years to do as well as I can and and support a future for my family and stuff so I'm very proud of that and um, yeah you can't have it kind of everything in your favour, you know what I mean? You're going to be away from home for a while. You're going to miss birthdays and weddings and things like that, but it's all for a really good reason. You can't have a motorbike. I can't oh, have a motorbike. Valentino Rossi over here. That's the hat, everyone. Yep. He's wearing. A beautiful hat. The Valentino Fluoro Rossi. yellow 46, the famous number in motorcycle racing, the legend. Yep. You can't ride a bike though, can you? I You're can't. You're not allowed to. I just wear the number on my back when I play for Australia. So I've got 46 on my back as Because well. of him. Well, yeah, it's part of the reason. When I got offered the numbers, it was like 40, 50 something. They said 46 and I like sort of did a double take and I was like, give me that number. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, he's a bit of an inspiration because he's so passionate. Yep. Brings so much excitement and flair to the sport and he just loves it. Uh, mm. He's an entertainer and I love that and I'd love to try and bring that to cricket. But you can't ride a motorbike. I can't ride a motorbike, man. It's Why? Got, uh, it's Why? too dangerous. Is it because your lovely wife has said no or is yep. it because your boss has said no? I love the thought of it. And there was a, there was a time where I thought, oh, maybe I could just get one and ride it around my neighbourhood. Yeah. And uh, my wife very quickly shut that down. I've got okay. a baby on the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I need to be around. So eliminating the danger. What about a moped? Look, it's a nice idea. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Marsh rides one. Yeah. You can imagine a massive guy. He looks like a polar bear on this little scooter. <laughs> <laughs> he looks, 
pretty funny heading down to Cottesloe Beach, but it's pretty cool. He calls it Scoot Scoot. <laughs> Does he? Yep. <laughs> Shout out to Mitch. Um, He's the first Australian cricket captain, I think, to ride a Vespa. Brilliant. So, Tucks yeah. a surfboard on the side every now and then as well. He's he got the look down. Gets a surfboard on that Yeah, I think so. He might even tuck it under the arm. It's that big. Um, but it's big arm. Maybe like a vintage Vespa or something. I'll put a 46 on the side of it. You're allowed with that? Something that doesn't get over 60 k's an hour? I think hour? that'll be okay. I don't think you have to have like a specific motorbike license for them either. Because I've never ridden a motorbike before. I just want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair it doesn't look like the best lifestyle choice for a professional athlete though. No, it would be a poor decision. Cricket Australia, I don't think it'd be... Oh, they'd be mortified. Could you imagine think, that? I don't think they're mortified. I think it'd be more than that. I think you get a call from HR, HR pretty quickly. Yeah, either that Somehow. or... <laughs> Mate, um, the India tour, how do you look back on that, that mm. experience? And I remember that interview that you got door stopped at the, the airport. Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay, this is going to be tricky for him. And then you were like, oh, it happens. And you, you were so calm about it. Yeah, you I was calm on about an act it. Or was it fair income? No, no, that's it's just how I am. Put a lot of work into that, you know, being consistent in my mindset every single day and focusing on what's important, what's in front of me. Some things, there's some things you can't change and things didn't go in my favour in India. Uh, I wasn't bowling as well as I needed to be. Hmm. That was the feedback I got and go home, play some cricket because there were some white ball games to play. And that was my goal from then on. It's like, right, move forward. You make the best of it that you can. This is my situation, right? What can I do? How can I improve? Hmm. Get better, give as much as I can when I got home to WA. Went back to India and I played the third one day and bowled really well. Hmm. It's challenging. Uh, It tests your resilience massively. I think the ability to just tolerate like that period of discomfort but then come out better on the other side. So that moment when you get told, it was out of nowhere, was it? Or did no, you there feel was discussion. There was, there was a lot of care and discussion yeah. in it. Okay. Um, you know, it probably looked, it sounded worse than it was. Um, we don't hear those discussions outside the yeah. bubble. You don't know that you're having those discussions. And My we, relationship with the coaches and selectors is really good yeah. and it's really open and it's quite honest, mm. which is good. You don't want anyone to beat around the bush. And, but I also need to be honest in that as well. But I think, yeah, I came out of that really well. I'm pretty proud of how I handled it. Yeah, it was one of the more remarkable interviews I've actually seen from Thanks. a player that in a situation like that. But the necessary changes that they wanted, have they been easy to implement or were they worked on straight away and you felt like it was an easy process to do or did you actually not avoid making those changes, just get better with what you thought you had to get better with, if that uh, makes sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Thank you. There, there are a couple of key elements, um, like maybe a technical element. Uh, I did my side, like I tore my side really badly in a game mm. against Sri Lanka um, before that Sri Lanka test series, which yep. I was going to be a part of. Using your front side as a spin bowler is really important because mm. it lines everything up. You get drop on the ball and all of that stuff. And since then, my ability to like consistently bowl those balls that you need to bowl in red ball cricket was sort of wiped out because mm. there was a lot of fear in like hurting my side again, I think. So, yeah, I think I made a technical uh, change in using my front arm more so I could engage my front arm, immediately put that into play when I played for WA. It worked out mm. really well. Did it again in India and it worked nicely. So yeah. that's all I tried to do. Cool. Ten years ago, obviously, there was a certain test match that you yeah. jumped out at everyone for your work with the bat. Well done on that, by the way. Thanks. Um, <laughs> how do you reflect on that stage of your life and, and what you were then as opposed to what you are now? It's crazy thinking back to that at the time you don't feel it's such a big deal but then Mm. when you look back on it and sort of you know first ashes test (laughs) in England I was 19 years old and 
the significance of that might get lost on you a bit when you're 19 because yeah. you're young and you're just going for it. Looking back on that, it, it was um, yeah, massive achievement. I'm really proud of that. I think I got the chance to entertain and excite a lot of people, maybe inspire a few people, give people some great memories, really positive memories looking back on that. Mm. Really proud. Uh, I had my family there. That's sort of my, oh, yeah. like, the proudest part. Uh, I, I can remember exactly where they were sitting. I, you know, if I close my eyes, I can see them in my mind, you know, in the crowd at Nottingham. I know. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's, it's really nice. It was, it was a real whirlwind mm. for sure, but I was ready for it. Um, I, was, I was playing really well and then things didn't go so well afterwards. But, I mean, it happens when you're learning your game and you're 19. You just want to come out the other side. Yeah, and you did. Yeah. Pretty well. Good stuff. If you could give that kid some advice, what would it be? Not that you can, mm. unless you've developed a motorbike that could go back in time <laughs> and you're allowed to ride it. If I could give 19-year-old Ash some advice, just keep going for it. I think keep attacking it. Yep. Really easy to try and be safe after that and try and survive. But that's really not fun. After that, I try to learn my game and survive and just stay in the mix of professional mm. cricket, you know. The fun stuff is when you look at what could go right rather than what could go wrong. Mm and you choose that mindset and that's when you free your body up and your intuition just comes out and things just happen and you can't explain it but yeah it's the beautiful feeling that you get from mm. playing sport particularly at the highest level because that's when you really start to entertain and put on a show I think so yeah think of when when you, when you start to think you know what could go wrong here flip it around think of what if it goes really well with different words Nathan Lyon has that kind of mindset as well what do you look at and what do you think of when you see a guy like that and what he's achieved in the game and on the cusp of 500 test wickets which is an extraordinary number yeah, it's a phenomenal effort like um particularly as an australian spinner yeah. he's taken a lot of wickets in australia and he's probably been the only one that's bowled in the style that he's bowled in like, mm. it's just really hard to do get as much bounce and spin as he does he's worked really hard on on his stock wall he talks a lot about that and that's what's brought him a lot of success he's a real master of his craft and to have as much resilience as he's had throughout his career, to be able to actually stay in the park and do that, yeah, is incredible. Unfortunately, he did his calf really badly. Mm. But, like, I mean, it's taken that long for something like that to happen, and that happens in sport. It's part of the game. But, um, yeah, it's phenomenal. Any advice he's passed on to you that's sunk in? Yeah, he, he's really big on trusting your best ball. Like, he always says mm. that. He says best ball all the time and trusting your skill set and being really staunch on that when when things are hard like go back to what you do the best and believe that that can be better than the opposition fair enough um, bbl yeah. you guys again isn't it should we just give you the trophy and see who's going to play you in the final <laughs> you know we're we're confident but we never think like that um what we've done really well is uh we don't look backwards mm. too much it's always how can we improve i think It'd be pretty easy to sit back and rest on your success and hope that everything goes the same. And every year we try and get a little bit better. Um, we try and do things a little bit differently because the game is changing rapidly. It's, it's consistent improvement from players and staff mm. and a lot of hard work. We're all heading in one direction together. Mm. And it's a, it's a really special time to be a part of the Scorchers. Other team to look out for? Uh, Sydney are always good. Sixers? Yeah, the Sixers yep. are always... A tough game. And, you know, I always think the Stars are a tough game as well. Mm. It's just something about playing those two teams that makes it difficult. But yeah. um, they're very good. Fair enough. Uh, and the batter in the BBL that you fear the most. Or not fear, but possibly think things are out of my control as opposed to any other opponent. 
Oh, I think if Marcus Stoinis gets going, he's pretty hard to stop. Gets that strut happening. And, yeah, yeah, and he, he, I know him really well, Stoinis, yeah. and he's always trying to get better and he's always trying to do something different with his batting and work on being a bit more destructive. And when he's in a mood, it's like, it's, it's unstoppable. Mm. So someone like, like Stoinis is, is really difficult. He can change a game very quickly. Ashton, thanks for your chat, mate. And uh, good luck in the uh, the big games to come thanks in the next few months. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. So Ashton, if he's anything, he's brutally bloody honest. Like if that was me and I got tapped on the shoulder mid-tour to say go away, I'd be pretty bitter about it still. But he's he left it at the airport. Yeah, i tell you what he is, and he probably doesn't get enough credit for it. He's a resilient little bugger mm. because he, he's gone through. He's and, and pretty he's, tall, actually. He's yeah. taller than you. He's he's still young, um, <laughs> but he, he's gone through mental health issues. He, he's he's had times where he, he's found it hard to be away, and he's he's come home from tours. The way he got into the Australian team, he's picked as a spinner. He, he got a ninety nine on his first hit. He was the one where Stuart Broad nicked it. So his first Test match, he, he was the talk of not only England but but Australia. So. I, I like his honesty. I, I like that he hadn't played much four-day cricket, so they've thrown him into a test series in, in India, and, mm. and his bowling wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, and, and he knew that. And it's tough to have a conversation to say, I'm not quite ready to play for your country. So he also had the Valentino Rossi hat on. Motorbikes and cricket, I wouldn't, I wouldn't marry him up too closely. I can understand why he's uh, probably staying away from the two wheels for now. I can understand that. Michael Clark was the only one I really knew that uh, he had a motorbike. Yeah, he? he had a motorbike. I think Michael Slater at time, actually Michael Slater. I remember him driving. He's right into state train and, and uh, parking it right next to the nets. But um, <laughs> really, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, th- those both those two like fast cars and, and fast bikes. Yeah, absolutely. Right uh, into our risers and fallers uh, hads. Riser Australia A. And Gorinda Sandu. Five for 27. Australia A, too good for New Zealand. Five-wicket win. Ashton Turner with 56 not out. And that one in Mackay at the Great Barrier Reef Arena. That's a wonderful-sounding place to play cricket. You know I like that about Grinder Sandu because four years ago, he, he was on the scrap heap. Mm. He, he was delisted by Tassie. He went up to Queensland, not not on a promise, just on an opportunity to, to play cricket. He's turned his career around. He's been outstanding, not only in the white ball, which he's known for, but also the red ball for, for Queensland. He's he's also reinvented himself in the, the Sydney Thunder outfit. So he deserves all the credit he can get. He, he might well, – last time he played for Australia was probably 2012, Sammy, 2015. So, yeah, I, I like stories like this where they get out of their comfort zone, they, they, the back was against the wall, and they come out and make statements like this. And there would have been – one stage where he thought his career was over. So mm. I, I like it. Another riser, uh, Australia under 19s, just give it to England by oh. eight wickets in a test match, youth test match over there. England 174 not out in the first innings. Australia 348. England a bit better in their second dig, 363. But Australia uh, home with comfort, two for 191 in that uh, final innings. So it's good to see that the youth, the young players, the development pathways that you were talking about before, Hads, are still flowing. Well, it seems that they're going around. Well, you know what? Take out whether this guy got 100, this guy fielded well. Learn how to beat England. (laughs) He's got to be in Australia's DNA. So you've got to worry about. I'll tell you another riser, Mm -hmm. Josh Hazelwood. Mm -hmm. He's recently been injured. He had some time off. He lobbed at my oldest son's school. It wasn't formal. A mate of his said, I'll come down and have a look at the, some of these kids. He, he lobbed at the school, 
helped out at the net session, took photos, gave a little bit of advice. That was unscripted. That wasn't an appearance. It was out of his own time. So sportsmen these days can get beat up for a lot of stupid things um, that they do, and a lot of it can be warranted. But Josh Hayes would just turn up, offer a bit of knowledge on the game. He's a a great country um, boy. So that's a riser for me. Good stuff, Josh Hazelwood. Uh, Fallers, well, the non-fallers, but falls into the category of a faller because they didn't fall, the Bales over in South Africa. Although looking at it, it's not the Bales. So Quinton de Kock played on a ball from Nathan Ellis. It, It not only hit the stumps, I would say it verged on crashing into the stumps, but it hit it right down at the base. So it's not actually the, everyone's gone on about the Bales being too heavy. It's actually not the Bales. What is it? It's because the stumps are so heavily laden with technology that they have to be put into the ground harder so that they don't, you know, tip over if there's a bit of wind around or anything like that. It's made the, the freaking the wicket harder to break than it should be. Well, another thing with that, I'm 100% sure those zinger bales are heavier. And No, they're not. Well, they are. They're not. you got to – can I you not – re- they're not. I'm telling you they are. The late, great Andrew Simons. Yeah. Everyone was debating this. So he just went and got some scales oh, did he? and weighed them and they were heavier. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I heard that they weren't because they took all the wood out of them, which was the heavy part of the bales. They put in the technology and the yeah. technology is really light. Anyway, I'll refer to Andrew Simons <laughs> over my theories. <laughs> but I'm saying that the stumps, they've got to yeah. find a way to not have the stumps so heavily set. You just in the need ground. to water it a bit. Groundsman's just got to get out there, put a bit of water in it, mate. Same yeah. as the subcontinent. Every time you whether you're bowling 150 Ks or your spinner, every time you get bowled in the subcontinent, the, the stumps fall everywhere. So mm. a bit of luck for the you cock. Ever get, ever, <laughs> love a bit of luck. Ever get hit in the face by a bale? Uh, Can't be too much yeah, fun. Yeah, I have. I've been spit above the eye by a bale, actually. Yeah. Mark Boucher was the the one in his last test tour of England where he got hit, the, the bale hit him with the ball and the ball sort of hammered the bale into his eye and he, he lost 70% of his sight. Oh, I think now if, he, if and from when Bouch did it, and that was a hundred and nearly hundred and fifty test matches. If you see keepers up the stumps now, they're hundred percent got a sunglass on, but ninety nine percent of the time now they got a helmet. Yeah, you have to, absolutely have to. Um, I'm going to nominate myself for faller as well. Ooh. Just a, a late late faller. Were you late again? No, 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 no. Last week, crap day in Sydney. It was raining for a change. It was like during the test. <laughs> um, so it's pissing down. So I went. You know what? I got a free day here. Kids are at school, wife's at work, I'm going to go to the movies. So I go to the movies, been busting to see Oppenheimer for the last two months. <laughs> Haven't had a chance. You need three hours as yep. well. So I sit down, finally sit down, get my popcorn, get my bottle of water. I'm all excited and 15 minutes in, oh, there's Albert Einstein getting pissed off at Oppenheimer, blah, blah, blah. Phone rings. Seven-year-old in sick bay, headache. You left it there. I, I, went, <laughs> I went out. I went out of the – I did say – are you sure? <laughs> are you sure she's mine? No. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure she's got a headache? Are you sure? Can you just ask her? Because it's Friday. She might think she can see the light here. It's the weekend nearly. Can you just, and like the poor thing, she did have a headache, so I wouldn't go. You her, didn't so. say just just give her a hydrolite and two panadol. Yeah, I'll be there in two hours yeah, and forty five minutes. <laughs> No. I've got a funny story about that. It's not ready for radio, but I'll tell you off air. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So uh, right after this, Hads, I'm actually going across the road <laughs> and I'm going to see the last two hours and 45 minutes of Oppenheimer. So I'm don't pr- tell me what happens, though. I'm going to prank all oh, you. Yeah. It's a big mystery. <laughs> Mate, I'm broken down on the motorway. I, I, you got to help me. Uh, dear. Hey, Sammy, did you have a stat for us before we go? 
I had one stat lined up as requested by Brad Haddon about uh, the domestic form of some of Australia's better performing batters. Dan Hughes being one of them. Mm. uh, Great New South Wales opening batter. Averages 60 in this day cricket with 10 hundreds. So I guess it puts your theory or your questioning about the pathway that he's done the business at Australian domestic level but hasn't been given a shot at international level. Different kinds of players. Obviously, the top order for Australia has been very strong for a number of years. Tim David's sort of that lower order power hitter, which is what we're craving for at the moment. But it just goes to show that a guy has applied his trade in domestic cricket, hasn't quite got the look-ins that someone like a Tim David has, who's only played that one domestic game for Mm. Tassie a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, I think there's different ways to peel a potato these days had. Well, you know, I like that. No, it's that. not. You just use a peeler. Well, you can't Sorry. say skin a cat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't mind that stat there, Sammy, but I, I think it, we're at a stage where do, do we have to reassess what, what the pathways look like? Like if we're picking yeah. guys that haven't played a game, not selecting guys that, that average 60 with 10 hundreds, it's maybe, I might be wrong, mm. but it may be time to, to have a look at where they're standing with all this is. But well, we have seen players perform at international level play in different formats. George Bailey yep. didn't have a great shield record but performed exceptionally well for the one-day team. Ends up playing that 2013-14 Ashes series, plays those five tests, doesn't play much after that though. He's performed at international level for Australia. But he played state cricket. He did. Mm. Where Tim he did. D- d- hasn't played any. And that's your and, point. And uh, what I'm interested in is, is what do the state players think of that? Like are they, are they yeah. happy with that? Do they start to question um, their pathways? Or the ACA as well. Yep. Anyway, those questions and more later in the week. Greg Chappell's going to join us on Willow oh, Talk. he can so answer them. He can answer that. He'll we'll have give him two coffees that. and he, he'll, <laughs> we won't have to say a word. Hads, thank you. See you later in the week. Stay safe. Thank you, Sammy. And thank you for listening uh, to this edition of Willow Talk. We'll be back later in the week.